Good morning. How are you all doing? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's good to have you here with us this morning for worship. Uh, we are excited to uh, be together this morning, and we're just going to take a moment this morning to do things a little bit differently than what we normally do. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to pause, just like Noah did. Remember last week, Pastor Jerry talked to us about, about Noah, uh, and when he exited the ark, what's the first thing that he did? The first thing that he did was he paused and he worshiped the Lord. Uh, Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he sacrificed, and he worshiped God. And so this week, with Thanksgiving, in, in kind of the rearview mirror, but it's still Thanksgiving weekend. We wanted to do the same thing and just kind of build an altar here together this morning and, and worship. And, and you know, when we think about when we think about Noah coming off of the ark and worshiping the Lord, like he had some some major reasons to worship God, didn't he? He he do you think that perhaps after 370 some days on the ark maybe he was a little bit thankful to get off of the ark like I know that I would have been right and so so that was that was a a great reason for him to worship the Lord. And so we're going to follow his example today. And we're, going to, and, and we're going to continue in this kind of Thanksgiving spirit celebration by looking to Psalm 136. We're going to look to Psalm 136 this morning to, to, to guide our time. So what I'd like to do to, to begin is for us to stand together and we're going to responsively read from Psalm 136, just the first three verses. But, but this is such an easy thing for us. You're going to catch on to this really quickly, okay? Psalm 136, and it's going to be up on the screen for you. But we're going to read responsively this morning, and this psalm is going to guide our time through the service this morning. So let's begin our worship time by, by reading together. I'm going to read the first part, and then uh, you read responsively in the second part. And verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. All right, church, let's worship for His steadfast love this morning.
church. Let's declare that together this morning. God, you're so good. Always good to He's good in every circumstance at all times. God, you're so good. Always good to me. Even when we don't understand it. next song we're going to sing is a new one. Um, we're going to teach you it right now. Heart is all that I could bring. 
Yet still he welcomes me. How good is he? How good is he? So God, we just bless you today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. And we just uh, pray, God, that as we move through our service today, that you would help us to focus in on your steadfast love that endures forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, why don't you turn to one another this morning and greet one another. Say how good God is. Tell one another God is good. And then grab your Bibles and have a seat. To Psalm 136, because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Amen? Amen? Amen. Psalm 136, we're not sure who wrote this psalm, but they had something very profound on their mind. But we do know that once this psalm was written, it became, it became one, of the, one of the main cries of the people of Israel. Uh, the first time we see it actually recorded kind of almost word for word is in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 where uh, David praises God. Um, and then in the same chapter when the assignments of the priests are made and their job is given to them, it's, it's, it's said that it's their job to say that the, that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. We see, we see it uh, being said and sung at the dedication of Solomon's temple. We see, it, we see it being sung by the choir that goes out in front of the army in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and they're singing Psalm 136, and what happens is, is God defeats the enemy before Israel has to even pick up their sword. Why? Because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, and He fights for us. We see it, we see it in, in Jeremiah 33 in, in future praise by Israel after the destruction suffered in the Babylonian conquest. And then we also see it when they come back from exile and as Ezra dedicates his temple and we see them singing the same thing again and again and again. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And that would have been kind of interesting to say, right, after having been exiled and brought back, that they would still be able to declare how steadfast and faithful God's love toward them had been. It's all about the steadfast love of the Lord. And, and you guys know, you, have you, has anybody ever heard of a 7-Eleven song? And raise your hand if you've heard of a 7-Eleven song. Yeah, right? Seven words repeated 11 times. Like, sometimes we sing those songs, right? And we, and we repeat them, and we sort of marinate on it. Well, this is a 626 song. These six words, for his steadfast love endures forever, are repeated 26 times. I think it gives us reason to sing a song like, With Everything, again and again, because it penetrates our hearts. We marinate in that truth, and it affects us in profound ways. But, but this idea of, of the steadfast love of the Lord is, is totally the theme of this psalm. And, and it's, the, it's the Hebrew word hesed. And if, you, if, if you're really Jewish, you would say hesed. Kind of get that little guttural thing going on. Can you guys say that with me with the little, with the little in there? Everybody just go 
Okay, good. Now let's say, let's put that at the beginning of this word. Chesed. Say that with me. Chesed. I'm not going to say that all morning because I have to still sing. Um, but the steadfast love of the Lord is, is this word chesed, and, it's, and we see it all throughout the Old Testament. And it's really a difficult word in English for us to, to, for us to translate because it's so packed full of meaning. And I, I read this in my study this week. It says that the, the word implies a relationship between two people in which certain behavior was expected. And when someone went beyond what was required or expected in that relationship, showing special kindness or love or mercy, something that wasn't, that wasn't maybe even natural to the relationship, that is what hased is. That's what the steadfast love of the Lord is. It's a loyal love. It's also translated in various translations as, translations as kindness, mercy, forgiveness, faithfulness, his loving kindness, covenant love, enduring love. And we see it in so powerfully in Exodus 34, verse 6, that says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's tr children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the steadfast, hesed love of God. And what does it do? It endures forever. Forever. You know, uh, we, it makes me think about, uh, in the book of 1 John, it says God is love, right? If, if God is eternal and God endures forever and we, and we know that He is the embodiment of love, then the steadfast love of the Lord has to endure forever. It's part of who He is. It never ends. And it takes me to, to Romans 8, to Romans 8, that passage that we're all so familiar with. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's steadfast love that he shows us. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing in all creation can separate us from the hesed of the Lord, from the love of Christ. And he demonstrated that love so powerfully for us at the cross. Amen? And so as we walk through this psalm this morning, uh, in, the, in this first section of the psalm here, I'm going to ask some people to pray. And Marie Newell's going to come, and she's going to pray. And we're just going to celebrate and give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. So Marie, if you would come up and just uh, lead us in prayer and give thanks to the Lord for His love. Our gracious and heavenly Father, the one who carries us, we're so thankful for your steadfast, faithful love. 
You are shelter, you are shield, you are refuge. You're always pursuing and always good. I thank you that in a world that is constantly changing, that you are unchangeable. You are home. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love, your kindness, that solid foundation that you give us. We rest in your never stopping, never giving up, redemptive, unbreakable, never changing, forever love. Amen. Amen. Yes, his love, it never ends. It never ends, and that's why he keeps repeating it over and over and over again in this, in this psalm. But, but then we got to ask the question, well, what's, like, that's the second half of every verse. What about the first half of every verse, right? The first half of, it, of each verse tells a story, and he starts telling the story by telling us the main character of the story and, 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 and giving thanks to that main character in acknowledging the steadfast love of the Lord. And he says to give thanks. To give thanks means to, to publicly acknowledge or declare something that you're grateful for. It's not just, it's not just a feeling or an attitude of gratefulness. It's, it's that attitude expressed to give public acknowledgement. And so what he does is he gives public acknowledgement and thanks to this great God that we serve. And he, call, and he uses three different words, the psalmist does, to describe who God is. And you know what? It, it, it reminds me of the book of Genesis and the very beginning. At the very beginning of Psalm 136 and the very beginning of, of Genesis chapter 1, what does it do? It starts with God. In the beginning, God. So we're also going to kind of look at, 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 at Genesis chapters 1 through 8 as we're in this Echoes of Eden series, and it's been such a blessing to learn about the foundations of, of, of the world and, and how God started things uh, for us and, and how those things continue to echo on and the consequences of them and the blessings of them continue on and on, generation after generation, because these are foundational things. And so... The, the, the basic foundation of all things is that in the beginning, there was God. And the psalmist give, gives thanks. In verse 1, he says, Give thanks to the Lord, to Yahweh, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. This word, Yahweh, this, this personal name of God, the, the, the name that he revealed to Moses when Moses said, who, who am I going to say is sending me in to, in, in to talk to Pharaoh? He said, tell them Yahweh sent you. I am that I am. What does that name mean? It, 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 it basically reveals his, what we call his self-existence. The fact that God is completely independent. He's dependent on nobody or no thing. We, we need air, right? We need air to breathe. We need food. We need water. We need, we need relationships. We need grace from God, uh, the common grace that we all experience. We are dependent creatures, but God needs nothing. And this name, Yahweh, He, he just is, and He always will be. And this is, the, this, is, this is the God who, who is completely independent of us, 
and doesn't need a relationship with us, but wants one. He wants to have a relationship with you, and he wanted to have a relationship with his people Israel. And that's why he reveals his name, his personal name. And so maybe today you've, you've, you've experienced just maybe, maybe, maybe is anybody feeling alone or rejected or, or betrayed in some way? Or, or maybe you've experienced that in the past, and, and today Yahweh is saying, I'm giving you my personal name. I want to have relationship with you. I want to be in covenant with you. I want to have your heart, and I want to share my heart with you. So Tim White's going to come and pray, and he's going he's gonna to thank God. He's going to thank Yahweh for his covenant love and his steadfast love with us. Lord God, we just, uh, we bow our hearts. We bow our heads to you this morning and we thank you. We're so humbled. We're so humbled that you would reveal your personal name to us. Um, You're not a God that is far off. You're not a God that is not knowable, but you have told us and shown us your personal name and demonstrated your great love for us in Jesus. And we're so thankful today, God, for all that you've done for us. And I pray, God, that uh, for the one today that feels alone and rejected, uh, Lord, would you call them to yourself? Lord, would you lift them? Lord, would you breathe life into them today, God? Would you be the wind underneath their wings that would lift them and raise them out of deep waters like you did uh, for us. And uh, Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you personally today, God, would you once again, please, Lord, reach out your hand of mercy and loving kindness and and draw them up and lift them. Father, we just, uh, we bless you. We thank you, God, that uh, you're so good to us, that you have personally revealed yourself to us. Lord, I pray that you would Revive us, Lord, and inspire us today to seek you in your word, to seek you while you may be found, and to not ignore all the things that you've given us. Your word, you've given us your word, you've given us your spirit, you've given us such a great salvation, and sometimes we're lazy and we're apathetic, but Lord, would you revive us, God? Would you sweep over us with revival and, and renew a right spirit in us? And so, Yahweh, today, we just bless you. We thank you, Lord, from the rising of the sun to going down of the same. Your name is to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, he says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then verse 2 says, give thanks to the God of gods, to, to Elohim, to the Almighty One, the name, the name Elohim, uh, uh, implies implies a fullness of might, the Almighty One. And in my reading, I read this. It refers to His absolute, unqualified, unlimited energy. And I don't know about anybody else in here, but unlimited energy sounds really good to me. Amen? I, I sometimes think that God has given a greater measure of that to my kids, right? 
than he has to me. And I remember my parents saying the same thing when I was a kid. But this is the name of God that's mentioned in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth because he's the almighty one. He's the all-powerful one. And, and this name Elohim is plural. It says that he's the God, the one God of, of all the gods. He's over and above every God in, in the entire that, that, that could be imagined. But it's a plural name uh, revealing uh, God in the unity and trinity of his person. And even, even in Genesis 1-1, we have, we have hints at, at, at the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and their work of, of creation. And so this God, who's Elohim, the Almighty One, he, he, he shares that power with us. He wants to share that power with us. So if we felt tired or weak recently, maybe physically, but, but not only physically, but emotionally. I know that that's probably the one that, that weighs me down the most at times. Uh, mentally or even spiritually, maybe we are just feeling tired. But Elohim wants to share his strength and his might with us. Because Ephesians 1.18 says, Paul prays for the church at Ephesus that you may know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that the Elohim wants to grant to us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So Gary Lowe is going to come and he's going to pray and thank God that he is the all-powerful Elohim in our lives. Let's pray. Almighty God, I come before you on behalf of my brothers and sisters here. We look to you and you alone, for you are mighty. You are glorious. All power is yours. You are the fullness of might. There is no power that can fight against you. It's like a gnat fighting against a, a, a granite wall a mile high and a mile wide. It's nothing. All powers come against you. It's, it's nothing for you. You are all-powerful. You have done great things. We have seen you. You have raised the mountains. You've told them to go so high, and they obeyed. You told this, the water to come so far, and it's obeyed. You hold everything in place, for you are mighty. Should you pull your, your strength for a second, everything that is would, would fall apart, would cease to exist. You've proved your power in saving weary sinners. Oh, God, you are mighty to save. You would bring life to a dead heart like mine, like my brothers and sisters here. We thank you for you've made us new and you are making us new, oh, God. Continue to, to work mighty in us. For Some of us are tired. We're tired of sinning, oh, God. Cause it to end. We beg of you, oh, God. Do your work. Prove your might once again. Break the addiction that's in this room. Break the lust, the pride. Oh, God, in me, break it. Make it come to an end, I pray. Be mighty to save once again. And I plead with those who don't know your son Christ, reveal him to them. Let them see their sin and hate it and flee from it and run to Christ, the mighty one. 
our elder brother, our savior, our precious king, for he is worthy of praise and worthy for living for. Help us to see him as more precious by your almighty power, the fullness of your might. Bring it about, O God, I beg of you. Amen. Amen. He is Elohim. He is all-powerful. He is Yahweh, the personal God, the, one, the God that, that wants to have relationship with us. And then he is also Adonai. Verse 3 says, give thanks to the Lord of lords, the Adon of Adonai, for his steadfast love endures forever, which means that he is the Lord. He is the sovereign one. He is the one that is in control of all things, and nobody has authority greater than God. This name, Adonai, uh, expresses his sovereignty and his, his divine dominion all over all of creation. He is the absolute owner and Lord of all things, whether we accept it or not. And when we talk about authority, doesn't it sometimes, for some people, bring up, bring up really difficult memories? Because sometimes people, uh, as sinners, they, they don't do well with their authority. Sometimes, sometimes we don't, sometimes authority can get abused, right? And that has happened in many people's lives. But listen, what we can do is we can take comfort in the fact that there is a Lord above those who are in authority who have sinned and who have mistreated us and who have, and who have abused that authority. And He will hold them to account, and we can trust in him. Why? Because he's in control and he is good. He is good. We've been singing about that this morning and he is just. So Joey Battle, why don't you come and, and pray and give thanks to the Lord of Lords, the, the Lord who is over every other Lord on the earth. Dear God, we come before you today and God, I just want to thank you for the truth that you are in control of all. Lord, your word says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Lord, we, we all come in this room with different burdens, with different things to be thankful for, with different things to mourn for, Lord. But God, help us to know and to fully believe that each person in this room, they are all here because of your steadfast love for us. And there's nothing we can do, not even ourselves, Lord. We cannot even separate ourselves from your steadfast love wherever we go. In our highest highs and our lowest lows, you are still in control. And there's nothing we can do about that. Thank you for that truth. Thank you, thank you for the truth that your love isn't dependent on how we feel or where we're at in life. Your love is constant. It's everlasting. And in it, Lord, we are more than conquerors because of you, because of Jesus who loved us. Who shall separate us from your love, Lord? Thank you. Thank you for that truth. And as we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So we give thanks to Yahweh, we give thanks to Elohim, we give thanks to the Adonai, the one who is Lord of all lords, and then the psalmist continues, and he, he gives thanks to the Creator. He gives thanks to the Creator for His power. And the, and the verses go on, and they say, to Him who alone does great wonders to him who by understanding made the heavens, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day and the moon and the stars to rule over the night. Why? All of that. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. Creation exists because of the steadfast said of God. And he did it all out of nothing. Nothing existed before the Lord said, exist. Before he said, let there be light, there was nothing. How great is the power of our God. Amen? How great is the power of our God to be able to create out of nothing. Just remember back to Genesis 1 and 2, how he, how he did his creative work and how Moses uh, wrote to the people and, and how at the end of each day he kept saying, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then when he created man and woman, he, he capped it all off and said, it is very good. And friends, if he spoke and planets were formed, and galaxies were arranged, and stars were put into place and named, and He knows every one of them today. Do you think that He has the power to work in your life? And not only to, do, to, to work in your life, but to get to the end of that and to say, it was good, or, or it was very good. Friends, I believe that the God who did all of that, who created all of these things, wants to work in every heart in this room, even right now in this place today. And He wants to do, He is doing a good work. I believe He can do that. And so that's why we can stand, let's stand together, and we can sing praise to this great God. I can see your heart 
love the way that that song ends singing about the creator of all the universe and what he did for us and providing for us what glorious truth he provided so much for us and that's exactly how Psalm 136 continues he goes from exalting God for what he did in creation and then and then he gives thanks for for, for God's provision, starting in verse 10. And from verses 10 to 22, he talks about four different things that God has provided for His people. And the first is redemption. Verse 10 says, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. God delivers his people from slavery. And he's done this from the very beginning of time. We see it all throughout Genesis chapters 1 through 8, the prophecy of a Savior in, in chapter 3, verse 15, people calling on the Lord after Seth was born. That, that happened because God was drawing people to do that. He says that Noah was bringing relief and Noah found favor and he placed Noah in an ark of salvation. And then chapter 8, verse 1, God remembered Noah. What was he doing? He was providing pictures of redemption, of the redeeming work that, that, that comes straight out of the character of who God is. 
The psalmist gives testimony to all of these things. And the question it begs of us is how has he done this work in our lives? Has he done this work in your life? I know, and, and, this is, and this is where we would, we would talk about the gospel, right? The fact that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, that, that, he, that he came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, he died a sinner's death on the cross, not because he had sinned, but because you and I sinned, and he was the substitute on our behalf, and he died on the cross. He was buried for three days, and then he rose up out of the grave victorious over sin and death and the grave to provide redemption for us, to defeat sin, hell, death, and the grave, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming again one day to judge the living and the dead. And, and what is he going to judge based on? He's going to judge based on whether we believe that message, whether we have faith in that message and that alone to receive redemption and forgiveness of sins. But what I want us to do, just in your own heart right now, just think back to that time when God did that work in your own heart. What were the circumstances that were surrounding that redeeming work, when, when God plucked you out of sin, out of slavery to sin. Do you have those thoughts and those memories in mind? The psalmist is giving testimony, and so what we're going to do is we're going to have some from our worship team share testimony. And uh, in regards to redemption from slavery, I want to ask Alex uh, Szymanski to share about how God has redeemed her life and provided redemption from slavery in her life. Alex, would you share? Give me one second. Just like all those who believe, the Lord has brought me out of slavery to sin and into freedom that is found in him. Uh, before I was actively walking with the, door, with the Lord, I was addicted to heroin. Um, I worshipped an idol of feeling good at all costs and would go to any length to serve that idol. I sacrificed so much money, time, opportunity, and relationships with God and others on that altar. I had tried to get sober before because I didn't like the messes my lifestyle caused me to get into, but I was completely given over to my sin and I couldn't make myself want to live life without being high all the time. When I was 20, the Lord allowed the consequences of my sin to fall on me. Uh, I was arrested for crimes related to my constant state of intoxication and I went to jail. I thought my life was now completely wasted at such a young age as I was now a criminal. I was sure I was gonna be in and out of jail for the rest of my life uh, because I knew I couldn't get sober, stay sober, and stay out of trouble because I had tried and failed before. I had heard the gospel as a teen uh, and I would have considered myself a believer, albeit a disobedient one. I believe that in that moment, the Holy Spirit worked in me uh, as I remembered that there was a God I remembered that the Lord had changed others in miraculous ways. I had heard testimonies of others who he had made into new creations. And at that moment, I sat in my cell and I cried tears of joy uh, at this newfound hope as I surrendered my ideas of what I thought was important in life and was completely given to the Lord. Uh, that was almost eight years ago and I've been sober ever since. 
Uh, the Lord's yes. love and faithfulness has surely endured. It surely has endured. Hallelujah. Praise God for his redemption, church. But listen, the psalmist doesn't stop with that. He goes on. He goes on to say that not only does he redeem, but he also leads us. Look at verse 16. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. For 40 years, God led his people in the desert, in a cloud by day, in a pillar of fire by night. And, and remember what he led them through, all the snakes, right, and, 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 and hunger and thirst and, and enemies who, who would attack them. He led them through difficult circumstances. And we look back on Genesis, we can see how God was leading in people's lives. We see how God uh, was leading Cain, right? Cain was, Cain was upset. His face was downcast. And God said, don't let this result in what is going on in your heart. He was, he was trying to lead Cain, but Cain didn't listen. It says in, in chapter 5 that Enoch walked with God, and, and in chapter 6 that Noah walked with God. Why were they walking with God? Because God was leading them. And if you look at the circumstances in which God was leading Noah and walking with Noah, it says that he was in the midst of only evil continually. Friends, God, God leads us and guides us in the good times and in the bad times, in, in, the, in the highs and in the lows, on the mountaintops and in the, in the valleys. And so Noah Reber is going to come and he's going to share a, a word of testimony because God has uh, been leading him uh, through a time of wilderness in his life over the last number of years. So Noah, would you share a little bit with us? So yeah, the last like... I would say seven or so years. Um, at least God has allowed me to be quite sick, um, sometimes to the point where I would be sleeping for 19 hours a day, um, and other times where I wouldn't be able to leave that, get out of my bed. And this has led to depression and anxiety and ADHD. Um, but I don't make light of these things because they're, these are just things and our God is able to work through anything. Um, and it's just so confirmed through me that through this, this is this sickness, God brought me to do music. Um, God brought me to do something that I love and that's just something that just is amazing. And um, I just cannot thank him enough for that. And, God's been teaching me so much about grace and how much there's so much grace in the struggle because without this, I would have never needed God. Instead, he had grace on me and he afflicted me so that in the wilderness, I would come to know who he is and that his love endures forever and he gives me strength to get up every day. I still have a lot of stuff on my plate, on my mind and on my heart. And I have pain all over my body, but God is good and he gives me strength every day to keep moving forward. And I am just so thankful that his love and his compassion extends far beyond what I ever could have imagined. The Lord is my strength for sure. Amen. Let's give praise to God.
And friends, I, I asked Noah to share uh, because, you know, as, as he said, he's in the wilderness right now. And, and, I, and I know that there are probably in a room with this many people in it, people who are in the wilderness right now. And Noah said it so well. You need to hear today, if you're in that wilderness today, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Just let that minister to your heart. And know that God also protects. He also protects us. Verses 17 through 20. Uh, to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. He, he protected his people from, from these enemies. So Moses and the people are, are, are wandering and... And, and they come to this land where Sihon is the king, and they say, just let us pass through, and we won't even drink any water from your wells, and, 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 and we just want to pass through. And, and, and Sihon was like, no way, man. Let's go. It's on. I'm not letting you pass through my land. And God gave them victory over Sihon. Sometimes even when we seek peace, even when we don't have any ill intentions, sometimes the enemy still comes. And then, and then Og, king of Bashan, he, who was Og? Og was one of the Rephaim. Do you remember the Rephaim? Remember when the spies went into uh, the land and they saw the giants there and they came back and brought the bad report, said, these guys, are, they, we can't do anything against these guys. The, Og was one of those people, one of those giants. But what did God do? God defeated him. Friends, what's the giant? What's the giant thing in your life that you feel like, I just can't get over this? I just, I, I'm at my wit's end. Listen, God can do it. God can overcome God can protect you even in the midst of the most intimidating enemies. And we see him doing it in Genesis as well. He, he protected Adam by warning him not to eat from the tree, right? That was God seeking to protect Adam. What is God warning you about? Well, he, he, also, he also protected Adam by removing him, removing him from the garden, right? Once, once Adam had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then he said, I, I don't want Adam to continue living forever in his sinful state, so I'm going to remove him so that he doesn't eat from the tree of life. And sometimes God protects us by removing us from situations or by removing things from our lives. And sometimes we're like, God, I don't want that thing to be removed from my life. What are you doing? And God is saying, I'm protecting you even though you don't understand. Is there something like that that's happening in your life or that God is calling you to take a step away from for your own good, for your own protection. He protected Cain by marking him in his sovereignty so that, so that, so that when people saw the mark on Cain, they wouldn't, 
they would, he would be protected. They, they would know. It, they would know that, that, that they shouldn't lay hands on Cain. And then obviously he protected Noah by enclosing him and surrounding him in the ark of salvation, right? So the question is, have you experienced God's protection in your life in any of these ways? Or, or maybe do you, do you need to accept the fact that God is protecting you, maybe even from yourself in some way, shape, or form? And so Lauren Weaver is going to come, and she's going to share a word of testimony this morning about how God has uh, worked in a protecting way in her own life and her faith. So Lauren, share with us. I can testify to God's protection over my life in so many different ways and at so many different times. But there is one significant period that I can always look back upon and only see my father's unfailing protection over me. God protected me as a young teen when the one who had led me to believe in Jesus Christ as a child completely abandoned faith and tried to convince me that the gospel was a lie. God protected my faith over the next several years when I was unable to be part of a church body or to be among many other believers. God was with me when in the midst of this spiritual struggle, I was also being abused. But God held me, and God kept belief, belief in Jesus alive in my heart in spite of the doubts and depression that often crowded in around and at times seemed to threaten everything I knew to be true. At the right time, God led me to people and to a place where I could be open about the past and where I could begin to heal and to grow again in faith. Because of God's never-ending protection over my life and my faith, I was not consumed by despair, but was preserved and given hope and freedom. Praise him for his steadfast love. It endures forever. Amen. And you know, often as God is protecting us, he's also providing. When, whenever he perhaps removes something for our protection, he provides in, in other ways to fill, fill in the gaps. Uh, verse 21 says, and he gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant, the, the kings that, were, that, 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 that the Lord defeated. He gave their land to the nation of Israel. And, and we learn from, from reading later that the tribes of Reuben and Gad settled in the land of King Sihon. And there were so many other provisions that God, that God uh, provided for, for the nation of Israel as they were wandering through the desert. Think about the manna from heaven, right? And the quail and the water from the rock. the clothes on their backs that, w that didn't wear out in the 40 years that they were wandering. And we see God providing in Genesis as well. He, he, he provided food for Adam and Eve and all the animals. He, he, he provided a helper for Adam and his beautiful wife Eve. He, he clothed Adam and Eve even after they had sinned, sinned against him. He provided offspring for Adam and Eve. He provided food for Noah in the ark, and, and on and on and on. God can, is a, he's, a, he's Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. But sometimes the provisions come in unexpected ways and in unexpected, unexpected circumstances. So Ali Snedeker is going to share about how God um, used some unexpected circumstances in her life to provide. 
one second. So sorry. Okay, I wrote this and then I didn't finish it. So bear with me. Um, during the pandemic, I lost some things that I was really looking forward to, which I'm sure you can all relate to. Um, we've all lost things over the last year and a half or so. For me, I was planning to spend nine weeks in Spain serving as an intern at an international church and teaching Spanish to refugees in the area. Uh, in my own version of the plan, I was going to spend a week afterwards traveling and experiencing Europe and then come home to do my last year of college and graduate and start real adult life. Um, unfortunately, my travel plans were canceled and I wasn't able to complete my requirements for school in time and I did not graduate. Uh, as I originally planned, which is a bummer for sure. I was super frustrated um, and I tried to keep my head up, but honestly, I was pretty sad. Um, after a few conversations with people that I trust and some time with Jesus, I knew that this was what was best and even if I didn't know why. I had to trust his ultimate plan and provision for my life. Looking back, I may not know all the reasons that I had to stay home or do extra school, but I do know that I got more time more time to grow in my faith and learn about Jesus, more time to build godly friendships and a support system, and more time to develop tools to work on my mental health and things in that area. It makes me think of the Israelites who spent 40 years in the wilderness and they didn't know what was coming. They didn't know why God led them out of Egypt and they didn't know what the promised land was. They knew there was one, but you know, what is it? Um, so. I think about all of those who didn't get to see the promised land. They, don't, they didn't get to know why they left what they were familiar with. Um, so we don't always get to know why God does what he does, why I lost that opportunity, why we lose things. Um, but I try to focus on the blessings, and those small blessings are enough. And I may not never know why God didn't send me to Spain, but I know what I did receive, and that's enough for me. Amen. Amen. God's provision, we give thanks to him for it because he provides redemption. He leads us, he guides us, he, he protects us. You know, I can't help but think about Ali's story and, and who knows what could have happened uh, going overseas. Perhaps God was protecting in the midst of the different provisions that, that he was giving. And, and so what is it, so what is it that, that you're asking God for? What is it that you need God to provide? And maybe there's singles here who are asking God to provide a spouse. Ask him. Cry out to him. Commit your, your desire to the Lord. It, maybe it's the parents who are, who are praying to God for children or the, or, or, or the one who's out of work, who needs a job. Those who are maybe struggling with some health issues or have family members who are, or, or there's financial burdens, whatever it may be, we serve a God who promises to provide for every need that we have. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I love Romans 8.32 that says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Friends, 
the God of the universe didn't even spare his own son. We ask him for things that are so much less than that all the time. He's willing to give them to us. He doesn't promise to give us the things that, that we just want, but he, what, he does promise to give us the things that we need. We just need to go to him and ask in faith. And I believe he'll provide. I believe he will provide. And when I, when I think about that, I think about how, how faithful he is. And it just makes my heart just want to sing to him, right? It makes me want to shout hallelujah. So let's do that this morning. Let's stand. We're going to shout hallelujah to the, to the Lord this morning. Solid ground. 
Jesus. Sing it out. And all the praise, oh, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, and all the praise, oh, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy. God of heaven, the one who we've learned already from the psalm today that you are a personal God. We thank you for that. You are an almighty God. We thank you for that. You are a ruling sovereign God. We thank you for that. You are worthy of all the glory. And Father, I thank you for saving us and filling us and healing us. Lord, you've raised us to life. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody here happy about that? Yes. Somebody want to shout hallelujah and tell them right now? Hallelujah. Go ahead. You can shout hallelujah at church. Lord, we're praising you right now for saving us. Hallelujah. We thank you that you are a redeeming God, a protecting God, a leading God, a providing God. And so, Lord, even as we acknowledge these things about you, we come to you today and we offer our, our praise to you on this Sunday of, of Thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you've worked in the past that echo to us today to praise you and thank you for who you are right now. And Lord, it instructs us that we can come to you and ask for help from you in many different ways that we need. Why don't you just ask the Lord for what you need right now, just personally where you are, remembering that he is a saving God, a redeeming, a protecting, a providing, a leading God. What do you need in your life right now? Go ahead, just quietly say it to him right now. Pray it to him. Lord, even as you hear these many requests that are being lifted to you right now, we pray for some of the things that that are needed in our church family. Lord, we raise these requests to you together, asking for your help. Lord, we pray for Lilani Taylor, who is in critical condition in the hospital with COVID. And Lord, we ask that you would work to heal her. Would you touch her body? Would you spare her? Heavenly Father, we cry out to you and ask for your healing hand in this. Lord, I pray, pray for Dawn, Dawn Tulazic. Who, I, who is in need of surgery for kidney stones. Lord, that's happening even right now. And so, Lord, we raise her and we ask that you would work within her health condition. Lord, we pray for those who are mourning loved ones who have gone to be with you. We think in particular of Barb Merrill as the service for Wayne is this coming Saturday. And Lord, we want to just ask that you would surround her with your comfort and peace right now. Lord, we do thank you that you'd 
have worked within Christy Kilheffer and the surgery that she had this past week. And Lord, we are asking that you would completely heal her of cancer through this surgery, through the touch of your hand. Lord, that you would surround her right now and help her and strengthen her as she recovers. And then, Lord, we think of the many families that were served through this church this week, through the, through the giving away of, of meals earlier this week. And, and, Lord, we thank you that you have given to us so we can do that. But, Lord, we know that there are so many more needs as well. And so, Lord, would you continue to use us to provide, Lord, not just the physical needs. Lord, fuel us to be able to help people with their physical needs. But, Lord, even more so, would you help us to meet the spiritual needs that they have as well. Lord, would they be able to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you've saved me. So, Lord, as we look to you for this, as we look to the Lamb who provides this, Lord, we proclaim endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you're reigning. The victory is yours. And so we praise you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So we give thanks to the Lord for his, plan, uh, for, for, his, for his person, for his power, for his provision, and now we're going to give thanks to the Lord for his plan. And in these last few verses of, of this psalm, as we, as we close this morning, uh, the psalmist recaps what God has done in the past. He talks about what God is doing in the present, and he also forecasts what's going to happen in the future. Verse 23 says, it is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever. That for Israel, that lowest state was, was their slavery in Egypt. But that lowest state for us is captured in Romans 5.8 that says, but God shows his steadfast love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, I don't know if you understand, but, but before Christ... Before Christ, we were in a very low, low place, the lowest of places, a place that we couldn't get ourselves out of. We were enemies with God. We were in our sin, trapped in slavery to sin. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God remembered us in our lowest state the psalmist says, and rescued us from our foes. For Israel, that meant that, meant that he was rescuing them from Egypt, from, from Sihon and Og, as we already talked about, from other enemies throughout their history. As they would sing this song, more and more enemies were piling up against them. The Philistines, uh, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, all, all of these foes. God, God rescued the people of Israel from their foes. And for us, Acts 26, 18 says, God rescues us from the power of Satan to God that we may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Friends, the enemy of our souls does not want us to hear the gospel, does not want us to respond to the gospel, does not want us to embrace God's word. But but God remembers us and rescues us from his evil plans and has a good plan for us. 
And then it seems like the psalmist makes a turn from talking about what happened in the past to the present, and he says, right now, he gives food to all flesh. Do you recognize that everything that has been provided for you, and we have, all of us have been provided with much, God has provided all of that. He's doing this today for all of us, which leads the psalmist then to say, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. And heaven is a present reality for God right now, but I tell you what, that's a future reality for us who believe in Jesus. Amen? If, if we do believe, If we repent of our sins and trust in the glorious gospel of Jesus, trust in the fact that he does remember us, he does rescue us, he does provide and protect and lead and redeem us. Friends, these things are all wrapped up in the, in the gospel. That Jesus came and shed his blood and died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you have, if you're here today and you haven't embraced that message, won't you surrender? Won't you give up the fight and acknowledge the fact that the steadfast love of God endures forever? And that steadfast love is calling to you right now. He wants you to experience the fullness of that love by rescuing you from your sin and adopting you into his family and giving you the Holy Spirit and the assurance that you will spend eternity in heaven with him because he is the God of heaven and it's to him that we give thanks because his steadfast love endures forever. And that is the plan that he has and that he desires for each one of us. And I got to tell you, there would be no better thing than for someone to, to, to pray that prayer of repentance to the Lord, just between you and Jesus. That would cause us to give thanks on this day of, of, of Thanksgiving, amen? And so we're going to sing one last song this morning. And as we sing this song, if you're here today, and you haven't come to that place where you can say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I pray that you would do business with the Lord. So let's stand, and we're going to sing, thank you, Jesus, for the blood.
So God, we do give glory to your great name today because of the work that Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. And we give you thanks today because your steadfast love endures forever. And so for the one here who needs to come to repentance and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you do that work so that they can join with us in this song and give you glory and give you thanks for what you have done, for your blood shed on our behalf, God. We give you thanks for all of this, all that Psalm 136 has led us through today, God. We thank you for the testimonies. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer. And we thank you that you send us out of here, loved and sent to give you glory in this world, God. You are worthy, and there is no one that we want to serve except for you. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You're loved and sent to the glory of God. Have a great Sunday.